0: This is episode two of FACET's podcast, in which we get to know our members. Stay tuned, we actually get to a name at the end of this episode. But first, before we dive in, a little bit more about why we're doing this. When we induct new members to FACET, we try to give, give a sense of each member at a personal level. Our longtime induction ceremony MC Andy Gavrin, pokes me every year for a salient detail about each member's teaching, We begin each retreat with a get to know the new members activity. Not everyone can attend this event and those who do want to know more. It's not surprising. We standardize applications so we can apply rigorous expectations. And with that comes risks. The risks remind me of a poem by Vyslava Zimborska, the 1996 Nobel Prize winning poet. It's called Writing a Resume. Writing a resume. What needs to be done? Fill out the application and enclose a resume. Regardless of the length of life, a resume is best kept short. Concise, well-chosen facts are de rigueur. Landscapes are replaced by addresses. Shaking memories give way to unshakable dates. Of all your loves, mention only the marriage. Of all your children, only those who are born. Who knows you counts more than who you know. Trips only have taken abroad. Memberships in what but without why, honors but not how they were earned. Write as if you'd never talked to yourself and always kept yourself at arm's length. Pass over in silence, your dogs, cats, birds, dusty keepsakes, friends and dreams. Price, not worth. And title, not what's inside. His shoe size, not where he's off to, that one you pass yourself off as. In addition, a photograph with one ear showing what matters is its shape, not what it hears. What is there to hear anyway? The clatter of paper shredders. All this to expound on what this series is about. An attempt to not pass over in silence our dusty keepsakes, friends, and dreams. In this episode, Katie and I converse with Sri Ramachandran, Professor of Informatics at IU Southeast, a member of the FACET class of 2019. He's currently co-associate director at IUS and a winner of a FACET Innovate Award in 2018. Shridar learned at a young age that teaching creates powerful connections when he tutored some bullies who came to respect him. Shridar, Katie, and I talk about the why, how, and what of the power of teaching to create bridges. And we name our series.
1: Hello and welcome back to FACET Indiana University's brand new podcast that still doesn't have a name, I am your official, now official, co-host, Katie Metz, and I'm really excited to be here with the original co-host, Michael Moroni, as we talk to yet another fabulous facet member, a faculty member in our university. Michael, how's it going? It's going great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic right now. The weather's nice, and the semester's almost over. So I, re- I feel like we're getting somewhere, finally, yes. Sridhar, welcome. And is the weather nice down there?
0: We can't. I, yes, I, I wish is. you were. I wish you were here in the room with us. That would have been. Uh, really I wish cool. so too.
2: I wish so too. Yeah. Uh, the weather was nasty yesterday. It's it's calming down now.
0: Yeah, well, so um, Sridhar, full full name Sridhar Ramachandran, and Facet class of two thousand nineteen, informatics professor. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And um, I always, I always love to think to talk with uh, informatics folks because i think that uh, so much of the the future of where we're going in in society is informatics data analytics and the way we're managing uh managing the amount of information that's just flooding us these days and so you are now onboarding the leaders of the future ah <laughs> right is that what is that is that that's one way of thinking about it so i uh, it, is.
2: It, it sure it, is yeah it sure is one of one of the jobs that uh, uh is out there is this called a futurist job that that um, companies are hiring for and most informations uh, get hired in that place uh since we are uh, so interdisciplinary and moving towards transdisciplinary uh we kind of uh, connect together several disciplines in finding solutions for open problems that affect humanity so uh I'm not bragging here, but I think informatics is more grounded uh, to the the social issues of the uh, of the world. and uh, we we make those those connections, and we are the liaisons who kind of connect uh, the technologies, not just the technologies. So that's kind of the biggest misinterpretation about informaticians, is we sometimes provide solutions that uh, dwell in other realms. Uh, like uh, one of the solutions uh, I remember providing to a company that was looking for better ways of communication uh, was a simple rearrangement of their meeting room furniture. So we, we kind of integrate and bring in psychology, sociology, art, uh, you know, different sciences. Uh, and One of the uh, things
0: I love about, about what you're describing is... Uh-huh. Um, how that allows you to create connections to a a lot of different kinds of students with a lot of different kinds of interests. Absolutely, that's what keeps
2: me alive and keeps me active, yes.
0: Yeah, and so so, um, I was actually looking at your dossier, your facet dossier, (laughs) and one of the things that jumped out at me was in your teaching philosophy, you had this phrase, the learning leader Yes. and uh, you connected it kind of to the fact that you're able to make connections with all these different kinds of students. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about what that means to you the learning leader.
2: Yes, absolutely. So uh, one of the most important things I learned when I was when I started teaching is uh, how little I knew. So uh, I knew that this learning process is continuous. It's it's we are in a continuum. We are learning, we are learning from our students, we are learning from our colleagues. We are learning from every new change that, that's happening. And we, as, as professors, as uh, leading our class, have to lead, but lead as learners. So uh, they, the phrase uh, you know, learning leader uh, applies to being a co-participant. So uh, from a stage, uh, stage in a stage, we kind of become co-participants in the, in the learning process. But then our role changes to leading the learning process. Because what we bring into the classroom is uh, the ways to learn. And that's what we are trying to teach our students. And that's what education is all about, is about not just simply giving you uh, information, but teaching you how to search and how to identify the right kind of information. So the learning leader kind of comes in from taking the lead in the learning process and helping the students uh, with your understanding and your experience.
1: That's really, really interesting. And I I feel like I already want to apply that sort of philosophy to my own teaching. So one thing you talked about in your intro was this idea of of your discipline being innovative, but also grounding. And I'm curious, you know that, we always know how awesome our own disciplines are, but how do you get that buy-in from your students about about that same philosophy, that this is innovative, but also a connector? What do you do to make that impactful for your own students?
2: Excellent. So one of the, the so the, the informatics curriculum itself is designed with that in mind. So one of the first things we do in our introductory course is uh, we introduce students to different ways of thinking, and then we start to open up problems uh, in different fields. So one of the one of the things I do in my class is ask about uh, say policing about what and how can we help uh, police officers uh, be safe in their in their workspace. And the first thing that jumps out from students is, uh, is usually giving them better armor, more technology, uh, finding information about crime rates, having more patrol, but then slowly the discussion. So we use a lot of discussion in our courses because that's where we can uh, transfer our understanding over to the students. And then they still start to see the overlap between uh, psychology, social processes uh, from the social sciences. They start to look at education. They start to look at literacy, what exactly literacy means. Uh, they can kind of understand about uh, the philosophical aspects of how ethics comes in. So uh, how how will a police officer be able to decide as to what to do? So we kind of uh, in order to ground it to reality, we take the students from the discipline back into informatics. So we kind of drag them out of their comfort zone, put them into a social situation and then ask them to start deliberating about possible solutions. So
0: uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Um, you were huh? an Innovate Award finalist a few years ago. Yes, indeed. Yes. And you had this, it was about Google Maps for student engagement. Is that kind
2: of one of the ways that you yes, do indeed. what you're talking so, about? So Can you tell us about the, that? Yes, yes. So uh, a very common question students have when they start with informatics or any discipline, is because of the, the current state of affairs, is what job will I get? Now, I can I can be the stage on the stage and show them all the kind of different jobs or what I, what I, what I decided was to help them identify and find out where their seniors are working, where they're interning and what they're doing. So I, we transformed that exercise of uh, the question they had about what kind of job students can get into uh, an exploratory journey of giving them the names of our graduates from the last several years, asking them to do a, a social search. So which kind of introduced them to finding and searching say Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. So we were sneaking in these skills of how to, how to do a network search, but we were also giving them a target in doing that. And then they had to, at the end, take ownership for uh, who they found. And then, uh, so, so each student was given a couple of uh, uh, seniors who graduated to search for and find their journey. And then how did they navigate their, their workforce through whatever digital signatures they have left? So we were also teaching them about digital signatures, about the email trails, the you know the information trails. And in this whole process, we also wanted them to connect with the juniors. So we made them make this Google map, which was clickable, where each uh, individual uh, student or the graduate's information was, their their connection, uh, links to their LinkedIn, links to their Facebook and Twitter was provided. And then this was presented to the juniors. So the juniors who were getting ready for job search now had a map of where their their seniors were working so they could go ahead and make those connections. Uh, The freshmen got to meet the juniors in introducing these concepts and then they also explained about the journey of what these these uh, graduates took to be where they are some of them identified that they went ahead and took a master's and this is why and then that this is the job jump that they did uh, some went ahead and said this person has been working in say LG and E for like 12 years now this seems like a wonderful company to be working in you know it's, it's some, some place that uh, you can retire in. So a lot of new uh, things that we could not have really taught in a class came forth from their self-discovery. And then the connections, the juniors would then take this information and connect with their, with the graduates. And then we had an alumni connection. That's so that's fantastic. I really, really wow. love that. That's uh, really incredible. Sounds
0: very <laughs> effective for even a um creating a, um, a community around Absolutely. around the learning and, and sharing out with each Absolutely. other. That's great. We
2: called it peer-to-peer network. That's that's yeah. what we used. Uh, so it was student-student learning, students learning from other students, and we being the, uh, the learning leader in this process of uh, letting them see the connection.
1: Full circle yeah. here. Let's switch gears a little bit. You've talked a lot about your own discipline, you've talked a lot about your students, and I wanna talk about you now. Um, <laughs> what, you talked about getting students out of their comfort zone. What gets you yeah. out of your comfort zone? What, what if you think of one maybe event or aha moment that took you out of your own comfort zone in teaching?
2: So there were there were many. Uh-huh. Uh, right from from when I started to understand that I could teach, and you know if, if you look at my website, one of the first things I say is uh, is that you know to be able to or to, to uh, give get the privilege to teach is a gift. Uh, and then uh, you know teaching to be able to teach is is, is a blessing. and uh, you know and and loving to teach is success. So if you, if you look at that that kind of a tag of what what I kind of see my life as, uh, my first experience with, with teaching uh, was a desperate attempt to survive. So uh, my dad uh, had, a, had a traveling job. Uh, we would move from place to place uh, because of his job. And then I, had, I would move from a new school to a new school. Uh, so I did get to experience, and that was kind of taking me out of my comfort zones too in, in getting into a new learning environment. So that kind of made me empathetic about uh, understanding that when students come to a new classroom, it's almost the same experience as going to a new school because you don't know who this professor is. You don't know what most of the kids you are in. We don't have a cohort system, right? So you're seeing new kids in your class. Uh, you are uh, going through this anxious phase. So in my case, I learned to teach because there was a bully who would tease me a lot. And um, I was into martial arts and stuff, but it, it, it was not something that I could deal with physically. Uh, it was more of an arrogant uh, and constant uh, bullying. So uh I decided to to help him with his with his learning, with his grades and stuff. Uh just to befriend him. That was my whole idea to stop uh him from teasing me. But the the whole process of teaching him opened up so many uh issues for me, in the sense it, it took me out of my comfort zone. Because though he was a bully and he was not good in in, in school and not good in in what he was doing with, with his grades and stuff. He asked some questions that really threw a curveball at me because it, it exposed the gaps in my learning. I had never asked those questions. I had assumed and I had accepted certain facts as I was moving forward. This is fourth grade, by the way. So when I started teaching him, he would ask questions and then we would stop because I had no answer for it. And then I would go back, and I would I would find that out. I would come back and tell him. He was least interested in getting an answer for the question, but I was so interested in giving him the answer to that question. So eventually, it turned the other way around. He would run away from me because I would I would find him and I would start teaching him. But uh, then, obviously, I found another victim, which was my younger brother. Uh, and then I started teaching my younger brother. Uh, his grades improved. He kind of you know uh, really excelled. Uh, hated me, but uh, excelled in the studies. So then I came to understand that as I get into an into a zone where I feel uncomfortable about my learning gap, uh, I need to fill that gap and that urge of filling that gap uh, made me a better learner. So teaching actually made me better at learning and that whole process kind of I, I still reflect on that I still kind of use that and encourage team work in my classrooms co- uh, collaborative learning and cooperative learning because sometimes, Uh, Some introvert students who who don't really speak up are very good teachers. And when they open up, when they start to explain concepts, sometimes they get frustrated by their teammate not getting it right because it's their team points. And they would just step up and they would say, hang on, you know, you need to do it this way. So getting people out of their comfort zone uh, also encourages them to explore and self-explore themselves. And I've had many of these students eventually present at our conferences, people who would never speak in their classroom, uh, have have stepped up and started to and and kind of express themselves.
1: And I've so, noticed that that's also about somebody. Sometimes people just want somebody to listen to them. I, exactly. I notice this in this class all the time. You just want somebody to listen to, you. and once that spark hits, exactly, it's, it's, all, exactly. it's all good from there.
0: Yeah. i as you told that story. I'm I'm thinking about that philosophy you started with the learning leader, and I'm thinking, wow, the, actually through learning, going all the way back to fourth grade. You led change. You,
2: I and know. I changed, and you're, I changed in the process too.
0: And you changed in the process, yeah. Exactly. So this exactly.
2: Is, it seems like this really runs deep. Runs deep. Oh, it, it does, it's, and it's a constantly changing flux. I'm still changing, even with this talk that we're having, because you're making me reflect and reflect. In fact, it's more reflection uh, that 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 happens when you because we, we are so busy with the things we do, we don't sit back and think how we got to where we are. And this gives us that opportunity.
0: You know, and in our journeys, there are those people who stand out as champions, as the people who really helped us uh, grow. Yes. Do you have people like that
2: or a particular several, person you think of? Several, yeah. several. One of the first I remember, uh, well, I, I remember several, but one of the, the first that, that really stood out uh, was an electronics faculty member I had in high school. So um, the, he was an excellent, an excellent expert in electronics. He knew every question, answer to every question I had. And I was really deep into electronics. And uh, uh, one of the first uh, birthday gifts I got from my dad was an electronic kit. Uh, so uh, when kids got other playful stuff, I got an electronic kit because my dad was an engineer. Um, and then I started to play around with it, uh, did some disasters around the house. Shocked my mom at 4 a.m. in the morning because I was trying to build a burglar alarm. Uh, I did not consider that 240 volts was too much. I should have used a battery instead of using an uh, AC current. But anyways, it, it's all life lessons. She survived. She's still alive. I felt well, she's not. She, she, you know, she said, "Why not?" You
0: should send her this podcast
2: because that was a nice <laughs> shout out for for mom. But she's still alive. Yes, yeah. especially <laughs> that part. So, so one of the first things I noticed about him. Is he was very good at one-to-one uh, uh, interactions, but when he would come to teach, he would stare right across the room into the the abysses, or I would say, you know, into the into the vacuum. Um, and I, 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 sitting there, I thought uh, that it's probably nervousness. It's it's a gift to be able to teach, and when I could do that, I could stand and I could teach and I could look people in the eye. There was another funny incident, by the way. Uh, in the in in ninth grade uh in my school we we had a teacher's day and i so wish they have something like this in the the united states but this was back in india where for one day the ninth graders would be teachers and the teachers would be students so they would sit and the ninth graders would teach the eighth graders so this was a way of getting the middle schoolers to know each other so for for that one day when i went to teach uh i and and the eighth graders were were really nasty, so uh, many of the girls in the eighth That's grade. That's the same in the U.S. To go, so, too, right? So, yeah. <laughs> oh. so many of the many of the gray, eighth grade girls decided to sit in the front row and distract me when I was teaching. So they were they would make faces, they would um, try to try to talk to each other or laugh as if you know I, I did made some mistake. Uh, look at me as if you know I I had to check if I, if everything was was closed or not? You know, why are, they, why are they laughing? But slowly and surely, I could get them to be interested. And I, I took it upon me as, as a challenge that I, I need to make them connect and get involved in my classroom. And I started to ask them questions or talk to them, look at them and start to, to discuss concepts, which made them, which kind of divided them. So it was like a and concept. So I, I chose a few, the most nasty ones and started looking at them and started to ask them, you know, do you understand this? This is exactly what I'm doing. You know, uh, do you have another alternate suggestion? And then they, they, the group got dispersed and then eventually everyone started to listen. And then I, when I reflected back and then and I started to look at what this electronics sir did. So this was in the past. And in the future, when I saw him not getting that that comfort level in teaching, I realized that I have a gift. And I need to kind of really explore this gift that I can teach. And I you know these distractions happen all the time. Uh, and I, I'm one of those faculty members who does not really get frustrated when students pull out their phone uh, and then talk. Because I I take it upon me that my lecture is not interesting enough, probably. Or it's something very important that they need to look at. And they're human and things happen. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's, so, a, that's um, a very important part of being self-aware exactly, Yeah. and exactly. having to do it on the spot. So um, it sounds like you reflect a lot on your teaching practices, just how things are going. But I'm curious, especially given the last couple of years that we've had in the... Cl- Academia has been rough, right? Um, yeah. Have you ever had a time where you're just upset or mad about how things are going in the class? Like this just isn't working um, mid-semester maybe, or just just at a given time. And if that's a thing for you... How do you how do you change? What
2: do you do? Surprisingly, surprisingly, uh, the answer is no, I have not been frustrated. In a sense, uh, I've been in touch with the changes and I understand the changes. And many of the times the reason for the frustration is not understanding the the change. You know, I was frustrated once when I went to Myers and I saw the prices were really high. Now, that was something that inflation (laughs) took me by surprise. You know, I wasn't ready for that. But the changes in the classroom, uh, the, I, I understand, they're not gradual. They happen suddenly. A new generation comes in. Uh, my teaching experience has been, I, I taught at Wright State before as a teaching assistant, and I had uh, uniformed officers in my classroom. Uh, very disciplined. And then when I came to Indiana, I had the exact opposite. People just walking up, eating, you know, uh, uh, doing their own stuff. But then eventually, I did realize that as a teacher, you have to transfer your excitement over to the students. And if they are not excited, you're not. your excitement is, this is a gap that you need to fill. There's something that you, are, that you are not able to transfer that excitement over. So um, talking about what probably worries me, I wouldn't say frustrates me or angers me, but what worries me in the middle of the semester off late, and I actually wrote a paper about it along with a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Uh, Weindott. And uh, it's published with our uh, facet journal of scholarship of teaching and learning uh, about uh, how we kind of club together D, W's and F's. Um, what we wrote is that W should be treated separately because withdrawal can either be a wisdom or it could be a waste. And many times we consider it as a waste, we, we try to prevent a student from withdrawing Uh, without understanding the reasons behind it. Some students withdraw out of wisdom. They understand realistically that I need to focus on just these two courses. I will come back to this course. You're not losing them. They're making a wise decision. And sometimes we just slam those students and force them to, to give reasons for their withdrawal, put them in an uncomfortable position. So the paper that I've written, I would not, you know, reveal too much. I would want you guys to read that paper if possible. It's called A uh, Waste or Wisdom, uh, the reasons for withdrawals and so forth. But what we were looking at and what kind of frustrates me sometimes, or so kind of puts me, uh, makes me a little uncomfortable, is uh, these situations that where students give up in the middle of the semester. Um, and being there to help them. And, and, and to answer your question about what I've done is I keep a very close watch on what my students are doing. And if someone slides, uh, I try to increase the intervention of trying to just casually connect with them to find out if things are okay. Uh, I'm known to keep a lot of food in my research lab because I've had students, uh, it disappears. So I've had students who come in, you know, they're probably hungry and then they eat, They've they've had several issues go on, so... I know it's a half an hour podcast, so I will. I will keep it short. <laughs> Go ahead. You're, you're interviewing a teacher. We we speak for a minimum of an hour and fifteen minutes.
1: Oh, we we both <laughs> we both know this. He interviewed me last two weeks ago. Yeah. It, yeah. it was a lot. Let's just put it that. Way. <laughs> yeah. We had
0: to arm wrestle for airtime. Oh, I don't my. know if it got to that point. No, it Michael. didn't get. It didn't, didn't quite get there. But but um, so I, I really like this idea that you mentioned this. Um, transfer excitement. Mm -hmm. You mentioned this at kind of a a, a big level, that this is an important thing to transfer excitement. Yes. And how do you see yourself doing that? um, Other than like maintaining a positive attitude? I mean, what are some specific things you do to to, to transfer excitement?
2: First is be genuine. Thank you. So uh, yes, being genuine kind of really uh, uh, is important because your students see the genuinity in, in your excitement. And why a certain thing excites you. Um, another important thing is to also uh, be, you know, share stories with them. You know, my students know a lot about me. They know about Smiley. Uh, if you're wondering what Smiley is, Smiley is my car. Uh, they know about about different things that we connect with, and why and how things work. To be able to get the students to see through your eyes, through your lens. Uh, many a times gets them either to understand that this is something they like, or to genuinely decide that this is not a field they want to be in, Uh, and that's important too. So one of the most important things for me is, I don't want a student to be uncomfortable learning something that they're not comfortable learning. And uh, knowing exactly, having answers to all of that at the very the freshman level is important. Uh, First questions would be, what kind of job will I get? And then we get all those things out of the way. Uh, things like how much will I make? What's the future for me with this course or with the, with this? How will this course help me in the future? Uh, what what will I do for a living if I don't like this? And I let them just spill these things out. Ask as many questions as you can, uh, and that kind of lets them understand if they're excited as I am excited about this field. And so moving into uh, uh, sophomore year. We mostly have students who are genuinely interested, genuinely share in many of our excitements. Uh, I've had some students come and say, you know, I've, I've taken the Java course and I love everything up to this point, but I don't want to be uh, a Java programmer. Uh, I'm doing this because it's required. And then we sit down and we talk about the, the myriad of, of, of different types of programming languages that exist. And uh, if they like block programming, if they like more of... Uh, you know, uh, behavioral programming, if they want to go ahead in different directions and the excitement returns because, you know, it's important to kind of constantly and consistently uh, talk about what excites you. So there was one thing that excited me, by the way, and this is a story I tell my students. I loved coding to the point that I would get up at 3 a.m. in the night. I I would get solutions to my codes in my dreams. And I used to jot them down in my diary. Then I got married. And when I started doing that, <laughs> it started to, it, it was not exciting anymore. It was exciting to me, but it was not exciting to my family. Uh, but then I had to, I had to seriously think about, you know, if, if it's a shared excitement. So uh, there have, and these, these are stories I tell my students and, I, and they get to relate to it. And it's not that I'm any less excited in programming now, but I'm just, uh, I just tell them that, that's that's how life is, you know. Yeah. And there is no constant; it keeps keeps changing.
1: Concentrate that effort, right?
2: I feel like that is yeah. a
1: fantastic place to end this conversation, Shriram. We have really enjoyed chatting with you this past thirty minutes, and really appreciate your time on our podcast that is to be named here. Thank you so much, Michael. Any last, any last thoughts?
0: Just want to thank you for showing up, Sridhar. And um, guess what? We're going to continue on, everybody else, with um, a list of FACET members. And we'll get to hear about all of the great things that they're doing. I know we didn't hear all the great things you're doing, Sridhar, but we at least got a nice introduction. We got a good idea. Thank you again, Sridhar.
1: We appreciate it so much.
2: Thank you for for the opportunity. Appreciate it.
1: Thanks again to our guest, Sridhar on our second episode of the podcast, To Be Named. We really enjoyed having him here to chat with us. And now we're going to turn it over to a little debate about the name of this podcast. Michael? I thought that we decided. Are we, have we not decided? I don't know. I was, I was hitting it pretty hard earlier that that you were boring and that syllables were too long. And I, I formally apologize for that because we ended
0: up. It's okay. It's okay, Katie. <laughs> Deciding on a name I, I, that was equally I forgive long. I you. Thank That's you. a very oh, important man. thing,
1: Two episodes in and our, our podcast relationship is over. That would be too much uh, here. Yeah. So, Michael. So, should we announce it? Let's announce it.
0: Let's do it. Our so, pod- our podcast, podcast is called Transformative Teaching.
1: Teaching. The FACET podcast at, podcast at IU Podcast. Yep. So, thank you for those should those of you who again? were- no, no, no. That was a great, that okay. was a great take. And it's, it's just a continuation of what we think this podcast reflects in that we're having a lot of amazing guests on here talking about how they are inspired every day. They're inspiring each other every day. And most importantly, they're transforming their own and others teaching and learning and ultimately exemplifying the FASA mission, which is excellence in teaching, right? Correct. Thank you again for joining us. We will talk to you in episode three.